This is Raw Cut. Welcome to Life Births. I'm Matt. And I'm Sarah. Today, another great story of resilience that takes you across the continents. Well, thank you, Dr. Leek, for coming in on today's show. Thank you. You're welcome. We're going to start with the same question we ask all of our guests, which is where did life start out for you, Dr. Luke? Uh, thank you very much for your question, Sarah. My name is Luke Mulimbalimba Masururu. I'm from Democratic Republic of Congo, mm. which is a country located in Africa. It is the second big, biggest country in Africa with uh, the population of 8 million, 8, zero, 8 million people. Wow. And uh, I was born in a village called Luvungi. Luvungi. Yes, Luvungi is a village located yeah. in South Kivu province. Okay. Uh, in Uvira territory. And uh, I was born there at the local health center there. And my life was like normal African young boy. Uh, that time in Luvungi, we have not have uh, water in houses. So to have water, oh, we were forced to go to the river, which it was around one kilometer from our home. Mm-hmm. So I'm a village boy. And uh, most, uh, many of the uh, boys who have been born to Africa in village, especially, that was their life. Mm-hmm. So we have been going, when I was, I was around five years old, I started to go to the river and catch water and bring water <laughs> at our family so that mm-hmm. my mother can cook the food. Is this a daily activity? Yes, it was daily every activity, day. Mm. every day. Even to go to take shower, mm. you must go to the river mm. and uh, take shower there. So apart that, you will go to school to study. And uh, afternoon, when you come back from school, Sometime you'll go to help your mother to do gardening, farm thing. And after that was the time to play with other children. And uh, my family was Christian. So my father was strong Christian. My mother, strong Christian. So I have been raising in a Christian family, uh, which helped me a lot. A lot, a lot in uh, my education and also way of life. And uh, I'm the second born in a family of nine children. Wow, you were like your own little friendship. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So when I, I had, I was five years old. I was sleeping and I got a dream. I got a dream. I was at the mountain. Because you know in Congo, we have valley, we have mountains. So 
we have different places like here in in uh, Australia. So Luvungi is invalid. So it's not located in mountain. So where I was five years old, I got a dream that uh, I was surrounding with many people, more than 100 people at the mountain. And uh, I have been working for people, poor people, to try to save their lives and to help them. And there was many people who have been working with me, helping me to that job. And I come to my father, I tell him the dream. You imagine, you have five years old, mm -hmm. you get the dream like that, that you are somewhere at the mountain uh, with more than 100 people who are working with, saving people's lives, helping poor people, changing people's life, and you tell your father that you get that dream at the age of five. So my father just looked at me and told me, my son, that meaning you tell me that you will be some very important person in your life. And he told me that meaning, your dream, the meaning of your dream is that one day you will you will help people, you will have your own work where you will be serving people and uh, and uh, helping people who are in need. So imagine that time Congo, it was, uh, it was one of the peaceful countries in Africa. Mm. Mm, I was going to ask, what were the houses like and buildings and, and what, what was the lifestyle like back then? In Luvungi, that time, many houses was like traditional with uh, grasses but uh, we were we were a little bit lucky in my family because my father was medical officer mm -hmm. and my mother uh, she was a primary school teacher so in the village there was uh, educated people mm -hmm. and at least we had a good house with iron sheet uh, iron sheet and bricks so our life was uh, good compared to other because mm -hmm. my as a only dispensary or clinic that was there in the village it was two one from catholic church another from my father so from that uh, uh, he make money and build a good house, but uh, as a relative, as a friend, was uh, living in traditional houses, made either by timber or grasses, yes, or stick things like that, like normal African house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and uh, after that, now I study, finish. Uh, my primary school education uh, and the insecurity start to come in uh, Uvira. It was not so bad, but uh, it was not also good. And my father decided to go in a town called Bukavu, which is like a state town. South Kivu is a province, it's like state here. Mm -hmm. And the big city is Bukavu. Bukavu is a city of more than 2 million people. Mm -hmm. And we moved from Luvungi to Bukavu. 
So I finished my primary school education there. I joined secondary school there. I finished my secondary school education there. And uh, I went to university, which was a Christian university uh, called EAI, Université Evangelique en Afrique, which is a Swedish mission university. Say that slower. Say that again. Université Evangelique en Afrique. That okay. is in French. Yes. Ah, okay. Ah, okay. Uh, Evangelical University of Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was a uh, university started with Pentecostal churches. And uh, because before to have degree, you could go to Kinshasa, which is a capital city, or to Lubumbashi, which is a second big city. So people who don't have money, it was difficult to, to go to university. And uh, one of the bishop of Pentecost Church decided to start that university so that people cannot go far. Imagine that bishop was also from Uvira, from my territory. So I went there and studied medical. And uh, after my first degree there in medical, I went in Kenya. There I was uh, still very young. I remember when I got my first degree, I had, I think, 24 years old. And in Africa at that time, most of doctors was more than 60 years. <laughs> so many people, especially women, so I refused me to touch them or to consult them mm. <laughs> because I've been seeing me as their child. Mm. <laughs> so that is, uh, <laughs> in African culture, that is another thing. When you become very, very young, <laughs> some of the women who are like your mother, they will not want you <laughs> to consult them. Yes, that's or right. To touch them. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> this is yes. life's birth. <laughs> we're going to take a break at that point in time and we'll be back with more straight after this. If you like what you're hearing, please write a review of this podcast on your podcasting app or you can share this on social media. We're learning about some of the challenges of being a young doctor in Congo. Yeah, Luke, uh, as you began to practice there, uh, where did life take you from, from there? Thank you very much, uh, Matthew. So there, because I was uh, one of the strong Christian, and uh, we had one leader who was the head of uh, Assemblies of God clinic, and uh, he invited me, he gave me a good position to be a medical director of Assemblies of God church clinic and now how old were you when this happened uh i think there i was around 25 years or mm. 25 or 26 years so still old still very young still very young and you know i was very small i was very very small and very very young so when you you will see me you will think i have maybe 18 years old okay. yeah <laughs> understanding of your yeah. last comment yeah. yes <laughs> so I, I started to work at uh, uh, Assemblies of God Church and uh, Clinic. And that time I was a youth leader in my church. So 
that time now we had a war in Congo mm. war starts in Congo and as you know in 1996 we had a war in Congo where more than uh, 6 million people died and uh, in Congo most of time we have been living in village we have not having banks so the only way of your parent to keep money it was to buy cows mm -hmm. and the cows it was from generation to generation mm -hmm. and one cow in congo even today is the same amount like here because in congo one cow is around uh, 500 us dollars is a good size and uh, you will find them is uh, is the same little bit the same amount like here and uh, when the war came the rebo because the war started in uvira district started in luvungi village luvungi sange kiliba all those because the special thing with uvira is the only district in congo which is neighboring to four countries we are neighbor with rwanda we are neighbor with burundi we are neighbor with tanzania and zambia through lake tanganyika and war in congo started from rwanda and uh, they came also through burundi so uh uvira district was like a door of the war but by bad things the rebel took all cows in our villages i remember my father had 60 cows which was also from his father and grandfather so normally that cows could give us as a children and that cows that uh, my father used to send us to university because when you want to send your children to university you go to the market you sell two or four cows you send them to university we don't have scholarship there like here even up to now if you are sick in congo we don't have medical care here like uh, you will go and government will pay if you are sick that meaning you will go and buy a cow or goat or a sheep and go to the hospital you don't have money you die two things you pay or you don't pay you wait for your last day and uh, but during the war many people in uvira have been stalling their cow so people they came back to the poorest of the poor life mm. so most of people uh, they start to suffering from malnutrition because of that and imagine you just come from the war you cannot go even to the farm because that was has been evolving with rap as you know uh, congo is one of the country where many women and women have been raped in congo and it was difficult for them to go even to the farm because there's different to here here you will find the farmers they live in their farmland mm -hmm. in congo especially uvira people they live in village and they go maybe 2 kilometers even 10 kilometers to their farmland oh. yeah so okay. they work in morning they go to the to do farm farming mm -hmm. and they came back transporting food or they transport food or anything on the back 
or at the head. Mm-hmm. If you are lucky, you have bicycle. You will go with your basco and transport things from your basco. So that was daily life. Mm-hmm. And imagine when they all came, you cannot go to the farm because you are fearing uh, the rebel will kill you or if you are a woman will uh, rape you. And that also caused many, many problems. But that time, we are a little bit lucky. We were already in Uvira town. No, in Bukavu. So you remember I say that we moved mm-hmm. from uh, mm-hmm. village to Bukavu. But mm-hmm. we have been still connecting with, uh, uh, with uh, our brothers and sisters relative in Uvira. But also that activities was in Bukavu. Even Bukavu, Goma, major cities in east of Congo was been having the same problem. But Uvira was worse because it was like a door of the rebel to enter. So after that, my mother became very sick. Very, very sick. And uh, we took her to the hospital. And uh, the doctor said to my mother that, to my father, that my mother will not live more than two years because she has heart problem. You know, many people that time, because of that problem, they develop heart problem, diabetes, and those complication diseases because of traumatism, mm. uh, stress, and uh, depression from the war. Mm. And uh, that time, my prayer was, I want my mother to see my wedding, to touch my children. When my father came and told me that uh, story, I tell God, God, I don't want my mother to die now. Please do something to my mother because I'm still very young and I want at least my mother to see my wife and my children. That time, remember, I was also a youth leader. And uh, there is some missionaries from America who came to Uganda uh, to do conference, youth conference. Mm-hmm. So... They invite me with uh, the team from the church. I went there. After the conference was a moment of testimonies. And uh, I tell them that I'm here, but uh, I have a big problem because of my mother's health. But I thank God because I know God will touch my mother. I want you people at the conference, you pray for my mother. And they pray for my mother. And there is one doctor who was in that hall, who, who was medical doctor, and he did specialization in natural medicine. And after conference, he came, he talked to me that, you know, the medicine is already going very, very far. There is more new technology in medicine. He talked to me about natural medicine. And I told him that I want, because I'm also a medical doctor, I say, okay, and I tell, I want to study and myself to treat my mother. So I was lucky I got the scholarship. I went to Kenya because it was the only country where you can do that research or that study. And after Kenya, now I got another promotion 
and I start to work at International Center of Physiology, Ecology, and Entomology, which is one of the biggest research center in Africa. My leaders have been impressed from my work. And because I was already a medical doctor, I've already known medicine. In a few months, I went back to my country and some good medicine, treat my mother. I don't say so much that is that medicine that healed my mother, but uh, I can say that it's just God who used that technology to heal my mother. I want to take a break before you tell us if she survived or not, and yeah. we will be back with more of Life Bursts with Matt and Sarah straight after this. Hey, did you know this show is available in video too? You can find it at rawcut.com.au. We're chatting with Dr. Luke here on Life Burst with Matt and Sarah, and the question we're all waiting to hear the answer to, did your mother survive? Thank you very much, yes. I came back now to Congo and uh, started to treat my mother. Yes. With prayer, because my mother, she's very strong Christian. Mm -hmm. She loved prayer so much, and she became okay. Of course, she went back to the same doctor. I remember that doctor, she was from Italy. She was a specialist on heart from Italy. Mm -hmm. So, and she was Catholic sister. When she saw my mother after a few months, and she said, I think you are not the one I consulted here after mm -hmm. a few years. Mm -hmm. And my mother said, I'm the one. She said, I don't see any problem in your heart anymore. And my mother told her that it's God who, who had been healing me. And uh, in short, my mother participated to my wedding. She saw my children. I have a wife. Uh, my wife's name is Delis. Mulimba Limba. We have five children. And she saw all my children. And now she's still alive. Wow. So, and that is why I'm very strong Christian because I have at least testimonies. I can tell people things that God has been doing in my life because yeah. I ask him to heal my mother and God heal my mother. So after that now, I came back to my village, Luvungi. Remember, when I had five years, I get a dream. Mm -hmm. I got right. a dream. I was at the mountain surrounding people, helping people who have been in difficulties. So I came back to my village and I found there was no hospital. There was just the same health center where I was born. They said, imagine Amen. more than 25 years is still the same health center. Yeah, wow. There was no medical doctor, mm -hmm. just medical officers. So the women with cesarean, they must go at kilometers, kilometers to be operated. And because, as you know, in Congo, we don't have good roads. So many women, we don't have even ambulance. It's not like here, you will call ambulance in a few minutes, ambulance will be there. So there, there's no ambulance. So if you are at health center and you get a complication to deliver, that thing, they will transfer you to the hospital. 
and maybe the nearest hospital is 25 kilometers. Mm. You don't have even motorbicycle. Mm. So many of women have been just dying during the road and they will bring them back. During the war, because I told you that all our properties, cows, has been stolen, mm -hmm. people are still living in very poorest background. So we started having people with malnutrition, children with malnutrition. Many women who have been raped have been living with depression, with many problems. Mm -hmm. So when I came to my village, I saw the life of people. I saw that I'm more needed in my country than in Kenya. So I went back and tell my wife, I see, I think I'm more needed in Congo than in Kenya. So my wife tell me, let us go there. We came back in my village. More than 25 years I was not uh, there, coming to visit and going back. We started in small room of five meters by five. It was very small as a clinic. And uh, we bought six acres of land, not in village, six kilometers from village, which was mm -hmm. a forest. Mm -hmm. Imagine that place called Itara is at the mountain in Luvungi. Okay. And I have not remember about that dream. Okay. Every Saturday we start to tell people to make bricks. We build the first building, which was a building of of uh, 15 rooms. We start to treat people there, to operate people there. My wife was very much involved in women department to give counseling all those women who have been raped. Mm -hmm. We start Christian radio station because it was the only way, you know, when the country, which is a post-war country, the government radios, they will talk politics and those, those kind of things. So we came with the Christian radio called Impact Radio, where we have been preaching the word of God and telling them about the love of Jesus. And that radio helped a lot, a lot, mm. many people to come uh, to receive counseling and prayer. And uh, after a few years, we managed to change that forest to a suburb. And right now there, we have a hospital of 150 beds. We have a school, secondary school and primary school with 1,600 students. We managed to build a university with medicine, faculty of medicine, agronomy and IT. Uh, because now our vision, me and my wife, was to help other villages. We still have the road problem. Uh, so, villages that are in more than 50 kilometers, at night, it was difficult to bring the sick people at the hospital. We opened midwifery and nursing school mm -hmm. where we are trained uh, youths from those villages. They have already graduated four times and they go back to their village and do the same thing that we start in that village. And uh, from there now, we managed to change to change Luvungi to the village, to the small town. Even last year in 2017, I think 18, the government of uh, Congo, when they saw all development that has been there, 
the government of Congo change it at the statute from village to a town. Right now in a government, Luvungi is a town because the activities that we did there has been changing life of people from zero to where it is now. Mm. And uh, one day my father came there. The first time my father, because he was in Bukavu, and I was busy in mission, I could go there and meet him and talk with him. So he said, I will come to visit you to see your, your work. When he came, he saw I was surrounding, because there in Luvungi we have around 200 full-time staff. At the hospital, we have around uh, 60 full-time staff. At school, we have around uh, uh, 40, 40 something. And as a department, community development, there is other staffs. So we have around 200 full and part-time staffs and other volunteer. So when he came and saw all those people working there, that dream that I tell him when I was five years old came and he called me. He told me, you remember when you had five years old, you told me this and this and this and this. Hmm. That is happened today. You know, everything that you told me is the thing that I'm seeing today. Mm. And that gives me the confidentiality to show that the things that I've been doing there, it was not my dream, but it was God's dream. But God has been just want to use me and my wife to do the things that I've been doing there. And it has given me more strength to work. And uh, when I was in Kenya, I was uh, helping Australian team mm -hmm. from midwifery and nursing team. Some mm -hmm. of them was from universities here and others was from youth with a mission, YWAM, which is a Christian uh, organization. I have been helping them to do outreaches in medical nursing midwifery. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we built the first building, Imagine just God give you a vision to build a hospital and you don't know where you will get a medical equipment. When we finished the building, I write some of the friends here. Uh, we have one friend, Julie, Dr. Julie Monis Events. She's a dentist from Mambaka. I write an email, say we have now a building we need uh, medical equipment. And she contacted some of the mission organization here and they send us 40 foot container with medical equipment. Wow, that's incredible. Now, I'll tell the story you. because uh, that's that's a great response to, yeah. to a great need. Mm, and no, uh, wow. we're gonna come back and hear more of Luke's story right after this. This is Life Works. In Australia, juvenile arthritis affects one in 1,000 children. It's a silent yet common condition. Kids Arthritis is here to help support these children and their families. To help them, go to kidsarthritis.org. This has been a raw cut community service announcement. 
as we're chatting to Luke and uh, the incredible response to the needs that you've experienced. Uh, a shipping container of goods sent from Australia to the Democratic Republic of Congo. Yes, yes uh, Pastor, yes. So God has been great. Mm. Imagine after just building a first building of 15 rooms. Yeah without having a vision where you will get medical equipment. And uh, we just received an email from uh, Australia that there is a container or 40 foot container or full of medical equipment, clothes that we will send to you. So they send us a container. The container arrive at the site with hospital beds, hospital mattresses, chairs, table, theater bed, consultation bed, and uh, we just start the hospital. Wow. Imagine from zero, mm. God is just opening doors, opening doors, opening doors. And uh, we start to receive people from even our neighboring countries. We receive sick people from Burundi and from Rwanda, seek people from other neighboring provinces because one operation like cesarean section in Uvira, it was 250 to 300 US dollars. The operation like appendix or hernia, it was around 150 to 200. And many people in Congo, they just come from the war. They have been stolen all their property. They live under $1 per day. So imagine a person who cannot afford to get $100, US you ask her or him to pay $150. That meaning you tell him to go back home and die. And we have been having many problems of young people have been dying with the problems that you could operate and they become okay. But because of poverty, they just go like that. And that mm -hmm. has been touching me so much mm -hmm. and touched my wife so much. We say, let's do something. We started the operation and we started to ask people the contribution of 15 US dollars. Why 15 US dollars? Because every most of family, at least in Uvira, they have a uh, chicken. And one chicken is around 10 dollars. So at least everybody could afford 15. And that 15 dollars, it was for people who are poor, who don't have money. But if you come, and we know you have little bit you can afford, we will ask you little bit around 40 to 50, which was also a small amount according to things that have been paying. Mm -hmm. And every day we have been doing more than six operations. Mm -hmm. Even poor people from Burundi and Rwanda, they started to come to our hospital. And for us, we don't see the color, we don't see the religion, we don't see the country. You came, we will. We don't even ask where you are coming from, because God gave us a mission to help people in need. 
we start to do the difficult operation. We got the big good machine like anesthesia and reanimation machines here in Australia mm -hmm. that can, can allow us to do the big operation like Gueta, like uh, clip lift and pallet. Mm. We are doing it there. By the way, in the, uh, in the district is the only hospital where you can do those kind of operation. We received a wheelchair from Wheelchair for Kids PEF here. We start to give free wheelchairs for the children, families who have the physical handicapped children. And God just touch people and the mission become big. Mm. Another thing that we did, all those women who have been raped during the war, when they came to the hospital, my wife and other counselor, they cancel them. And after giving them counseling, if they are sick, we give them free medical care. And after giving them free medical care, we have been starting to train them, to train them. Mm -hmm. And we have the program of microfinancing where we can give them a little bit money and they start small business. Those who are good in agriculture, we train them on how to do good agriculture. We have tailoring, tailoring uh, school, where we are training them on uh, how to make clothes. We are getting a good machine, tailoring machine here, here in Australia. For those who are still very young and who have been uh, studying at the secondary school, we are putting them at computer training center to help them to learn a computer. Mm -hmm. And that program has been great. Mm. Because some of those uh, young girls, when they have been raped, they become pregnant and have babies. And I remember some of the challenging that we have been facing when they came with that babies. Some of them, I remember one woman tell me and my wife, like when I see this child, I remember everything that his father did for me. Mm. Mm. And uh, it was very, very difficult because you cannot tell her to leave the child. Child, she is innocent, have not do anything wrong, anything bad. Mm. Mm. And uh, we realize that when they are suffering, when they don't have food to feed themselves and to feed the child, when they don't have clothes, when they are sick and they don't have money to pay for medical care, they become more traumatized. Mm -hmm. So now it's like they will, they will think that God does not even uh, exist. Why me? Why is this? And uh, that is why we have not just focusing on counseling. We say let's do something and changing their lives. So we train them. Because when they will have good life, even if it's not, it's hard, it's not hard to forget the suffering 100%, mm -hmm. but when you have food, you have clothes, you are sending the child to school, you will at least live and uh, not think a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, we always tell them that all this problem is not your problem. You have not want to be 
to do to be raped and this child have not do nothing wrong to you because he has not pushed this problem and maybe tomorrow he will help you or maybe tomorrow this child will take care uh, of you just take it like that and see your child as innocent person and love your child and from that counseling many of them they got boyfriend and be married which helped them a lot and get now as a child from their married from that program and uh, uh, we had a school primary because you know after the war where more than six million people died imagine how many orphan children that will be there so we had many orphan children many street children and we saw even we can give them money but will not help their future and we saw that the only thing that we can do for these children that will help their future is education because if we are educating them we will give them good future in congo there's no free primary school free secondary school so you pay money and it was difficult for Zach, for us imagine if you have one 500 children to pay every month school fees mm. is a lot of money mm. so it was difficult for us so the only way that we could manage them it was to open our own primary and secondary school Mm. We are here talking with uh, Dr. Luke uh, here on Life Birth. And if anything that Dr. Luke and we have discussed about today has raised any type of issues for you, you can always contact Lifeline on 13 11 14, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We'll be back straight after this. If you think more people should listen to this, share this podcast on social media. Now, Dr. Luke, you've had such a full-on life overseas, but at some point you've come here to Australia. So tell us about that. Tell us who your family is and tell us what they're all getting up to. Uh, thank you very much. You know, when you live in the post-war uh, country, it's not easy. Mm -hmm. So the community development that we did in Congo, they brought a lot of impact uh, in people. But uh, there is also some politician who was not happy because for them, they have been using people to be in power. And, uh, you know, when you are living in country where there is some people who are still corrupt, right now we have new government, new president who is working good to try to change things. But in that time, there was many, many people, politician who was corrupt. So the work that I've been doing because I've been focusing in advocacy, also in human rights to tell people to be responsible, mm. to take care of themselves. Mm. And some of the politicians was not happy for the mm. work that I've been doing. And uh, they, they have been trying to assassinate me so that they can be rid of me. They tried to but, kill you. Uh, yes, to trying to kill me, but God is good. God has been protecting me from all the work that I've been doing for people. And the only way that we saw that we can 
protect ourselves and protect the family, he was to come in Australia. I'm sorry, sorry, just rewind back. Yeah. So the government, politicians, whatever you're saying, are trying to, to kill you. Some. Some of them not, were trying to yes, kill you. Not uh, all of them, because we have some who are very good. We have some politicians yeah, who course. work for people, but we have some of the bad politicians, especially in that region, in that area, who has been uh, involving in uh, taking minerals. You know, Congo, we have a lot of minerals. And uh, for them, uh, they have been using people to go and work for them, mm. bring God for them, cows for them. Imagine some person who cannot afford to pay $50 for medical care. You want him to bring you a goat, which he can sell and get that money to improve his life. So for us, we have been trying to protect those people and try because we have a lot of natural resources in Congo. If you Google Congo, you'll find we have diamond, we have many minerals. But why Congolese are still suffering? Why they are still poor? Why those minerals cannot help the Congolese to come out of poverty? And that was one of our work. That was one of the things that I've been doing every day. And some of those uh, politicians who want to become rich, who want to stay, see people suffering so that they can stay in power, they now organize things. Send some militian to kill me. But good thing, God has been protecting me. And we say, let's first come in Australia to rest. After more than 10 years, we have been working day and night. And that is why we are here, me and my wife, Delis, and our five children. And we thank God for the Australian, especially Australian from Adelaide Hills. So has been in our side through prayer. And uh, they continue to support our mission. One of often who we have been supporting is now the leader. So he's now who took my place. So most of leaders who are working at that mission in Congo now, they came from bad background. Mm -hmm. We raised them. They went to universities and get degree. Now they are the one who are taking care of other people in need. Wow. And uh, I thank God for that, to see that we are not there mm. and the mission still going on well. And we still have uh, Australian who are still visiting the mission and who are volunteers there. Last year before Corona, we had Tom Cecil from Bendigo who went there to teach IT for around three months mm -hmm. and come back. And uh, we thank God for many Australians who are donating things, uh, uh, sewing machines, bicycles, computers, laptop, clothes. Uh, so every day, me and my wife, Delis, we are very busy going and collecting goods from Adelaide Hills, from uh, Adelaide. And we really, we really thank all Australians uh, who are uh, in our side, who are content, who mm -hmm. are continuing to supporting because even we have been doing many activities, but we still have many people who are there who need the help. And if you want to know more, to, 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 to know, if you want to know more about our mission activities, please you can visit our website www.mhcdaca.com 
www.org.au is mhcd mission in healthcare and development australia support association that is uh, our australian website www.mhcdsa.org.au so uh, thank you very much for yeah. inviting me Fascinating and yeah. uh, a, a fantastic story. And I know some of uh, mm. the recent projects that you've had people supporting include the shipping containers, uh, solar panels. You've uh, some very practical things that can be given in support uh, as well as funds to, to carry on this work. I, I, for me, I don't know about you, Sarah, but the, the idea of thinking about yeah. your economy in cows and how many cows you have and, and a lack of cows means yeah. no money. It's uh, just, yeah. just uh, uh, the poverty when your cows are stolen uh, yeah. what an incredible mm, um, mm. need and an incredible story of you responding you. to that thank yeah. you thank you dr yeah. luke but before we let you go yes. in the last couple of minutes that we have yes. if there's one piece of advice that you could share with our listeners what would that be uh, the advice i can tell people i want just to tell people that uh, uh, somebody you feel good when you are helping your neighbor who is in problem. And in all these years that I'm working in development, I saw that there is no a big thing that you can do than helping somebody who is suffering, somebody who has been living in problems. Because many times you will find when maybe you operate somebody, some woman, who could die because of the cesarean because he could not afford to get 100 us dollars to be operated some of those women come to me to tell me that look thank you very much because of how you have been giving me back my life and uh, i always tell them that is god who give you back your life so i just encourage australian for the good things that they are doing and to tell them to continue to love each another, to tell them to continue to consider people who are in need, and to tell them, you know, you don't need to be in Congo or in Kenya or in other country to do something. Even you can pray for them or you can do something and you are here and that person will know that you have been contributing to bring good things in her life or you will be one of people who have been saving lives of so many people who are mm. suffering in the world. Okay. So wow. that's the thing I could say. Thank you. And thank, thank you. you very much for inviting me here. God bless you. And you, you are too. doing a great job. And uh, uh, I really appreciate the work that you are doing. Thank you. You too. Wow. Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Dr. Luke. This has been Life Burst. I'm Sarah. And I'm Matt. You can catch up with us wherever you get your podcasts from and on YouTube and Facebook as well. Thanks so much for joining us. Life Bursts is hosted by Matthew Karat and Sarah Freeman with production by Reese Jarrett and Kay Hoshra Ozadigan with additional assistance by Brett Freeman. For more episodes of Life Bursts, go to rawcut.com.au. This is a Rawcut production.